The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. All right, how many people know what this is? Know what this is? It's a hymn book. It's a hymn book. And generations, when we get to the new building, we're going to use these. No, we are not. No, no, we are not. But generations and generations of churchgoers used hymn books for their worship time. The songs all contained here, and they would sing out of the books uh, together. Our hymn book, like so many churches today, really is a projector and a screen. And, um, but you know that prior to the 1500s, really just 500 years ago, uh, there were no hymn books, and there were obviously no projectors and screens, and people had to learn their hymns learn their songs by heart as someone at the front kind of lined that out for them and taught them uh, the words. And over uh, time and through repetition and by memorizing, they would have those hymns in their hearts and they would sing them all together. Now, if you go all the way back, that was any time prior to the 1500s, but if you go all the way back to ancient Israel, you'll find that uh, the same thing was true. They had to memorize the songs. There was no way to really record them except that the lyrics were often recorded on scrolls. Sometimes even musical notations would be uh, marked on those scrolls, but not everybody had the scrolls. Only the leaders had the scrolls. Now, some of those songs, those ancient worship songs that were uh, written down, uh, some of those uh, were inspired by God and included in the hymn book of the Bible, which is called the... The Psalms, the Psalms, 150 of those songs were gathered together in the scriptures, inspired by God, and really demonstrate the hymnody, uh, the song list, the playlist of the people of Israel. And like our songs today, they can all fall into certain categories of songs, uh, affirmations of what we believe. Ascription of worship uh, to God, lament over sin and its effects, and lots and lots of joyful celebration. And God has given us, really, the gift of song. It's a gift to us that he allowed us uh, to have this, and studies have shown conclusively that there are many, many, really all-encompassing benefits to singing. So if you come here and you're in a room filled with people who are singing, there's benefits to that. There are greater benefits to you if you're actually singing with everyone else. And these benefits include social benefits because we do it together and we relate to one another as we do it together. And there are physiological benefits. There are mental uh, benefits in terms of clearing our minds. There are emotional benefits. And for sure, there are spiritual benefits to singing And when we sing together, singing really helps us process the things that are happening around us and the things that are happening in our own lives. And for example, this is where we're heading, for example, Psalm 126, uh, what we're going to look at today is a song, a song with both, you're going to see this, both tears and hardship in this song, but also joy and blessing in the lyrics of this song. 
and it was sung by the Jewish people as a reflection on their time in exile when they were under the discipline of the Lord. It speaks of their restoration and their release uh, from exile uh, back to the land of promise. And in all of it, what becomes obvious and the key line in the song is this, the Lord has done great things. Amen? The Lord has done great things. And, um, and he's done great things here too, amen? He's done great things here as well. And we're gonna look at this song and what we're gonna do today is we're gonna, it's not ancient Israel's song anymore, it's our song. And we're going to uh, study this really, uh, these song lyrics to reflect on tears and hardship and joy and blessing right here in our Harvest family. So let me read this song to you and uh, then... I will get right into it. This is Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad Restore the fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, you know, without me really having to say it, I think we would all recognize that life is so often marked by tears. True or false? Life is so often marked by tears, and some of these tears are because of really two reasons why tears can come our way. Sometimes these tears come our way because of circumstances that are out of our control that simply happen to us. Some of you have that going on in your lives right now. Circumstances beyond our control that just happen to us, life circumstances, and, and some Sometimes the tears come as a result of, listen now, decisions that we have made that produce negative consequences. And so really the tears, the result of two things, circumstances and consequences that happen in our lives. So, so the people are singing here, verse one, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, the Zion a reference to Israel, And if you're singing about being restored, just looking at that word, if you're singing about being restored, then there is an assumption there that you need to be restored from something. In other words, something happened, a life circumstance beyond your control or the consequences of a decision that you made, something happened, put you in a place that you needed God to pull you out of, to restore you from. And in Israel's case, Do you think it was just circumstances or was it consequences? What was it? It was consequences. It was, was, could we just put it this way, that the exile, what Israel went through in terms of the discipline of the Lord, that 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 was a self-inflicted wound in their lives. That they had made decisions, so many poor decisions, that led them down to a road where God had no choice 
but to discipline them. They had been in exile in Babylon. It was the result of their sin and God's judgment. He disciplined them because he sent prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher to warn them, to tell them, you're here. It's not a good place. You've chosen to be there. You need to be over here. You better start moving. Repentance toward the Lord and they not only ignored the prophets, they killed many of them out of anger and out of their stubborn rebelliousness against God and his word. The consequences were severe. Uh, Many of them, as uh, Nebuchadnezzar's army, the Babylonians, invaded the land, many of them were uh, just killed because they were opposing the army, because armies in that day were ruthless. There was a, a siege of the city, Many more would have died. By the time the city was taken, the best of the land, the the brightest and the best, the best leaders were taken to Babylon to enhance their culture, to build their culture. And only the dregs were really left back in the land, those who were not so important to the Babylonians. So the people were separated isolated from one another. The temple was destroyed, raised to the ground. So the center of their worship was gone. Their wall was broken down so that they were shamed as a people. And for 70 long years, an entire lifetime, the children of Israel would be exiled from the land of promise that God had given to them. And that explains the sorrow, doesn't it? I mean, look at verses five and six where he says, they're they're sowing in tears. Verse six, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. Life is so often marked by tears. And I know many of you, maybe you're sitting right here right now and you're going, I'm in the midst of that. That's where my life is right now. Or it's a recent thing or it's not so far back in your history that you remember a painful period of time, whether consequence or circumstance that you went through. And the tears are a deeply embedded memory for you. But if I could speak for a moment about us, I don't often do this. Our preaching needs to, of necessity, pierce right into the hearts of individuals. But this is a special message on a special day. And I need to speak to us. I need to speak to us as Harvest Berry, this family. And what we have faced in our 15 years, what has brought tears to our eyes, You know, from 2001 till about 2006, the first five years, it was really incredible growth. When Cheryl and I I came here in 2001, there were about 38 people. That was it. And we joined with people who were very faith-filled and who were anticipating that God was doing something, going to do something great here, and for sure he did that. And in those first five years, we grew, this is the way I always say it, we grew from 38 to 738 in five years' time. By 2006, we had moved to this facility and we continued to grow just a little bit in that time in 2006, but by 2007, 2008, 2009, it was just a flat line. 
three years of, of what's happening and why aren't we growing like we did? And what some of you know and many of you don't is that we were going through an internal, I'm just going to call it this, an internal leadership crisis. And there was a, there was a sense among the people that something doesn't seem right, but no one could put their finger on it because it was, it was internal to the senior leadership of our church. And it was a devastating time because we couldn't figure out how to fix it. And the whole thing came to a crisis, again, as many of you know, it came to a crisis in the fall of 2009. And over the next 11 months, 12 months, more than 200, maybe 250 people, about 40 families left our church. And there were many tears. All around, on all sides, there were many, many tears over what we had gone through. Difficult decisions were made in those days that really provoked the crisis. Uh, decisions that were not, by the way, perfect ones. It was a painful season, and when the dust settled from two. 2010 really to 2011, it, I often describe it this way, we had gone through the acute crisis and in 2010, 2011, we were just in the hospital bed, hooked up to monitors, tubes, and we were just on life support in the ICU trying to recover during those two years. And God was faithful to us through it all. And we began to go through the painfully slow process of recovering learning what we needed to learn. I remember in the spring of 2011, and we were um, in a series in the post-exilic uh, books of the Old Testament, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And we got into the book of Nehemiah, and in Nehemiah 9, the elders discover the word of God, and they realize for the first time why they went into exile. Oh my God. And they stood up in front of the people and they began to confess their sin. They had finally, after they got back to the land, had finally learned the lesson of the exile. In the spring of 2011, right here, all of our elders stood right up here at the front of this room and we read 16 confessions to the church to take responsibility for what we had done to learn the lessons God had taught us during our exile, during the period of our losses. Now you might ask, why, why share all of that? Why bring that up today of all days? Well, you see, if you go back here, you see it all starts with tears. But look at verses five and six again. While there were tears, there was also sowing. While there was weeping, there was also bearing of seed. In other words, in those most painful days, seeds were going into the ground. Plans were being made. Hope was being planted in those, those most difficult days. A crop that would later yield a great harvest of righteousness, and I think we all know this to be true, that tears and hardship 
accepted and experienced with the expectancies, expectancy of God's perfect work in us will always produce joy and blessing in time. Tears and hardship. Accepted and experienced with the expectancy of God's perfect work in us will produce joy and blessing in time. The preacher in Hebrews 12, 11 puts it this way. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. That's true, isn't it? It all seems painful. But later... See the principle here? Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that sums it up so well for us. We know uh, for sure that life is so often marked with tears. That's why that part of the story needs to be told. Because in those days, seeds were being planted. A harvest was, was being anticipated. That today, today, we will begin reaping. Life is so often marked by tears, but notice this, but God has brought about a great reversal of fortune. Okay, let me read these verses again, verses two, and two to four. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Notice all these words. And our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, people outside the church, people who are non-believers, The Lord has done great things for them. And then the acknowledgement from us, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev, in the desert, in the wilderness. Verse five, they say that they're gonna reap with shouts of joy. Verse six, they shall come home with shouts of joy. Three times shouts of joy is mentioned. Bringing his sheaves with him, bringing in the harvest. Now you can see through all of this the repeated words of celebration. The corner has been turned. It's not just about the tears. We're not staying in that place. We're moving on. And in fact, this song the Jews would sing on their pilgrimages up the mountain passes in the Judean hills as they headed up to the city of Jerusalem on their pilgrimages to go and worship at the temple of God. They had a series of songs that they would sing. And this is one of the songs that they would sing on these. That's why in your, the ascription in your Bibles, if you look at it, it says that it's a song of ascents. Because they would sing it as they would ascend the mountain up to Jerusalem to go and worship him. There was so much joy in their hearts as they went together to worship God, thinking about his goodness. God is so good to us. Do you remember when it was like this and when we had tears and little seeds were sown and now we get to be here and there's our temple and we're together as the people of God to worship him. It was about the access that they had to him and the relationship and the hope of Messiah that was in their hearts in those days. And you know, for us, if I can pick it up at 2012, we got out of the hospital and we we did some physio and we got healthier. And 2012 and 2013 and 2014 and so many who have started coming to this church and become a part of our Harvest family in these years. This is really about the goodness of God restoring, if I could use the phrase from the Psalm, restoring our fortunes. Bit by bit, God healing 
and bringing us to a place of strength as the people of God. And we know, of course, that for Israel this was true and for the church today, not just us, but for the church today this is true, that the reversal comes for one reason only, because of the work of Jesus Christ. You see, Satan thought he had us. Satan thinks he he has us and that he can keep us in this place of tears and sorrow under the weight of our circumstances and, and, and condemned by the consequences of our decisions. Satan thought he had us. His deception in the garden was complete in his mind. Sin and death were running rampant over the earth and devastating humanity. But God sent his son. The sinless Son of God came to this earth, the Son of God restoring us, His death reversing the curse and providing a life-giving stream in the desert to us. And so we as the followers of Christ, listen, this is what we don't do when we face circumstances. This is what we don't do when we have consequences on our life because we don't muscle through. That's not us. We don't make it on our own. It's not the strength of our own character that is sufficient for these things. It's it's not these things our own. It's Jesus Christ. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. That's why our, that's why, listen, our mouth is filled with laughter. And what I have to tell you in a few moments is going to make you laugh. In the right biblical godly, godly sense of God is doing this in our midst. And it will make us laugh. Life is so often marked by tears, but, but, but God has brought about a great reversal of fortune. Notice, by doing unimaginably great things for us. Is that true? By doing unimaginably great things for us. You see, when, 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 when King Cyrus, he was, the, he was the one, he was the Persian emperor who finally said it's okay for the, for the Jews to go back home and other peoples who had been exiled as well from other lands, the, the decree went out that all of these people could now leave the Persian empire, leave Babylon, they could go back to their lands. Now, the the Jews were going back to a very devastated land. Again, Jerusalem was in ruins. The wall was down. The temple was destroyed. Much of the land had had laid fallow for 70 years and would have to be all broken up again. It was a a desperate and dark place. And the people were going back to this. and, And the first thing that would be on their mind is, let's rebuild the temple. But listen, the resources flatly did not exist for them to rebuild the temple. They had been in exile for 70 years. The people in the land were impoverished. The money simply wasn't there if they had gone for it. Not like it was in Solomon's day when the people still had a great wealth about them and and people made offerings and everything came in and beyond what they needed in order to build the temple. It wasn't like that at all. And so they were going back but without the resources. And so a crazy thing happens. An unimaginably great thing happens. Not only does Cyrus say, hey, you can leave Babylon and go back to the land of Judea, but listen, 
I'm going to pay out of the public treasury. I'm going to sign a government check for you to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Is that not an unimaginably great thing that God would provide through any government to design and build any place of worship to the Lord? Would that provision at the time not make you laugh? Is that not the reason why the lyric exists in this song that the Jews would sing? Because it sounds impossible. And so that's the why they were, the only phrase we haven't looked at here is in verse one, the last part of it there. We were like those who dream. This can't be real, they're saying. It's, it's unbelievable that Cyrus would let us go and pay for the temple to be built. This is Paul in Ephesians 3.20 in his great benediction saying that God is, is blessing, listen, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. We could never imagine this to happen. And what we're celebrating here today, what God has done to bring about the acquisition of 7 George Street, could I just say this is like a dream come true? It's like a dream come true. And it's small compared to what he did for Israel. I'm not comparing this to the building of the temple. That would be dumb. It's really small compared to what he's doing in light of eternity, amen? The transformation that's happening in people's lives is super small compared to that. You start to think about the unimaginably great things. You want to make a list of awesome and unimaginably great things that he's doing? How about the forgiveness of sins? Right? How about the promise of heaven? How about the abundant life that he gives here? How about the gift of the Holy Spirit? How about the provision of food and shelter that he continues to pour out on us? How about of love and relationships with one another? How about of the church that he's given to us? How about of the word of God? Are these not unimaginably great things? Amen. That he gives to us. And, and, and hear me when I say 7 George Street is at the bottom of that list. It's at the bottom of that list. But it's on the list. It's an unimaginably great thing that he's done for us. The dream, and I said this at all the vision nights if you were able to attend one, the dream is not about, it's not about the building. But I pointed out hopefully passionately, that it's about all the lives that are going to be changed inside that building. It's that we will lift high the name of Jesus Christ in worship in that building. It's that the word of God is going to be proclaimed in that building unapologetically. It's that there are going to be prayer gatherings starting on December the 4th that are seeking God with power for what he wants to do in this city. And that many, many will hear the good news of Jesus Christ inside those walls and through those of us who worship inside of those walls. It's that God's glory will be manifest on that property. 
And so after 15 years, you see the line, we, we, we are like those who dream. It just seems unbelievable to us that it could be so, that, that God has done an, imagine, an unimaginably great thing for us. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. We laid it out here that we wanted God to do something so special that the city of Barrie and the county of Simcoe would talk about it. Look what the Lord has done. The Lord has done great things for them. Not that, that they would see us, but that they would see him. And that he would get the glory for all of this. Uh, those who are in leadership will know, and we're getting, we're getting to it. Please stop preaching, Todd. I know you're thinking it. But those in leadership will know that I invited a good friend, Earl Marshall, to come and to speak at the leadership commitment. And that last weekend we had our commitment weekend. And then we decided in a very quick um, elders meeting that there was no sense waiting another week to reveal you know the history of all of this and how it's played out. The very short recent history of the last several weeks and how this has all played out. And, and so we had our commitment weekend last weekend. And I want you to watch this recap of the leadership commitment and our commitment weekend. And then I'm going to come back up. This is, like, this is like an amazing time in the life of your church. You're creating a remember when moment. In a few years from now, you're going you're gonna to sit around tables, right, maybe at your house or whatever, and you're going to say, hey, remember, remember when we got the Army, Navy, Air Force Club? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And you're going to start saying stuff like that. And this is, this is like a, a big thing. This is an amazing time in the life of your church. You're creating this moment, this moment that you're not going to forget. God is going to redeem this space. He's going to take this place and fill it with God's people so it can be a shining light right here in the core of Barry. And when you begin to consider God's grace and you consider the opportunity that's ahead of you, it begins to loosen the grip of things in your heart. Have you, have you seen it? Some of you in this room, you're nodding your heads. You're saying, yeah, I get that. And that's what God's done for you over the last number of weeks. Hasn't he done that? It says that all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering. I am standing on the great frontiers of you give I want you to celebrate celebrate that celebrate that God has already done something in you see one day you're going to look back on this time you're going to remember about what God did through you but you're going to long for more of what God did in you amen
Three things I want you to know just before I give you the number. <clears throat> we had said to you all the way along that there were 206 um, individuals, couples, and families who are regular givers of our church, and our goal was to have 100% of those 206 participate. The number was based on kind of a, a cutoff line in, in 2015, all of our regular gifters, 206. So we wanted to see at least 206 commitments and we actually got a 244, 118% of our regular givers. <clears throat> now some of that, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. We are like those who dream but that, 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 that that would be true. But there are so many new people in 2016 who have come here and in the first weeks and months of being part of this are saying, I'm going to make a commitment. We're in for this. And that's God's gift to us, and it's an awesome thing, those who have joined us only in these recent days to help us hit that. Uh, secondly, you might think that in the number I'm going to share with you that there's one large donation. Someone must have come along and given a seven-figure gift of some kind or some significant six-figure gift. And here's the thing. Of the 244 commitments that we have received, only three of those commitments, only three are in six figures. And none of them are above a quarter of a million dollars. None of them. Which means this. When I said to you, everyone can do something. You listened to that and everyone did something. And much of what you have done is both sacrificial and generous. And it's exciting to see. And then thirdly, we're getting very close now. God is building the fruit of the Spirit in you. <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As you know, we set a goal of $1.8 million uh, for this campaign. We felt like that was a reasonable reach. Reasonable in the sense that it was based on our regular givings and what our offering, what our income had been in previous years, and yet it was still a reach in the sense that we're asking for a lot of money, almost $2 million over three years of commitments. Well, then you know that the, the leaders committed more than that. Just the leaders, 92 of those givers pledged uh, almost $2.1 million. And so the elders regrouped, and what do we do now? We got to tell them the number. And so we set the new goal of $2.9 million. And we put that in front of the church. And so at this point, with that little bit of history, I've asked some of the children from Harvest Kids to come and give us a hand. So come on up here right now, kids. Let's give them a hand as they come up. Amen. All right, this is going to be a blast. <laughs> All right, so this is, this is good. Let's have you guys stop. Right, stop, right? Right, right here. Stop right here. Stop right here. Come right up to the edge of the stage. Right, that's good. And just come down this way a little bit. Let's organize this a little bit. Let's have, um, let's have we need the decimal point over here. So can you come over here? Yeah, right there, decimal point over here. Right, right here, right here, that's good. And then we need a comma, oh, you're, you're gonna go to the end. 
comma right here, then over here, Liberty, that's perfect. And then we need another comma, come on over here. Uh, and you just take a step this way, Braden, right? Okay, so that's obviously wrong. So, <laughs> but wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> okay, so let's, let's, let's do this. I need, a, I need a three right at the end. Let's just start with the sense. And then, and so pop that two out of there. And actually, both of you can take a step back. And I need the eight. Let's move the eight all the way to the end. <laughs> no, right, right, right in here, right in here, right in here. Right here, sorry, I said the end. Okay, decimal point, move over here. All right, here we go. I need a two right in here. And step back. And a two right in here. And I need, and I need a... I need a six right in here, and then I, comma. You guys switch. <laughs> and um, a three, I need a nine right here. I need a nine right here, and the comma, comma right here. You guys switch right there. Wow, what do you think of that? <laughs> That's not it, that's not it. That's, that's not it. That's not it. You come down here, and Braden, you go back to where the two is. And the three and the two switch. That's your number. Hold them up, kids. Hold them up. Hold them up high. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. See, see what I, we, we are like those who dream that God could do this through you. The Lord has done great things for us. Amen. Let's say it together. Amen. Amen. Life is so often marked by tears. But the Lord has brought about a great reversal of fortune by doing unimaginably great things for us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at harvestberry.ca. And remember, you are loved.